Am I on? Good? Right. Um, well, as uh, Pastor Chris was saying, um, I'm preaching this morning, so before you all run for the doors, uh, I just want to say, you know, one of the, one of the uh, issues about when you're preparing to, to bring God's Word is that uh, there's so much. And uh, I spent quite a while this week just cut it down. So I didn't keep you here until one o'clock. And uh, I think I more or less managed it. So blank sheet that side. So we're okay. Uh, but you know, there's so much richness in God's Word. There's so much that uh, as you're reading, I thought, oh, I wish I could teach that. I wish I could explain that. And Bible school gives us that opportunity to come and receive a lot more. You know, we need to be built up in our faith. We need the foundation of God's Word. And something I want to say a bit later on will help us to understand that a little bit more. But Bible school is a wonderful opportunity uh, to get into depth with God's Word, to build ourselves up, uh, to meet other people who, you know, with whom we can engage and discuss things. So if you're thinking of signing up, then please do so. If you're still wondering, just think and pray about it. And ask God, is this for me this time? Now, it won't be for everyone, but it may be for you. So if God's calling you to come along, come along and sign up. We've got a good list of names so far, but uh, I know there are one or two more who've told me that they're coming, but they haven't signed up yet. So please do that. And if you did it, if you've done uh, course one, uh, there's no reason why you shouldn't come along to this section as well, this, uh, this year as well, because uh, some topics will be the same, but... There'll be a lot of uh, extras. And, you know, even to hear the same thing twice is not a bad thing. It's, uh, you know, it, it sort of reinforces it in, a, in our hearts and minds. And if I'm bringing the same thing that I brought two years ago, then there'll be some differences. There'll be some new revelation. So there's always freshness in God. You know, God's spirit is fresh. It's new every morning. And so there's always something. And there's something for you uh, every time you come into contact with God's Word, whether it's at home, uh, in your own personal times, whether it's in church on a Sunday morning, or whether it's in Bible school. So I would encourage you, come along and uh, be uh, inspired, uh, be built up, and uh, just enjoy the Lord together. Amen. Now, there's been a lot about lions this morning. I don't know if you've been listening to what's uh, in, in the atmosphere. And uh, I'm still uh, bowled over, really, with last week's sermon, and I'm sure many of you are. And, you know, Alan Hewitt was talking to us about Samson going along the road, and suddenly a lion roars. And so this morning, I want to just unpack that a little bit more and say, well, how do, what happens? How do we deal with it when the lion roars? And, you know, as an elder, we get this kind of over picture of what's going on and emails are coming in. And I've seen the lion roaring this week. I've seen the enemy threatening. I've seen people um, who've uh, got issues of, uh, um, you know, perhaps in, in their marriage or perhaps in uh, uh, sickness or uh, financial issues. Things all the time. Mental health issues. Are coming up, and we see the picture that uh, you know he, the lion's trying to roar. He's 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 there, wanting to uh, intimidate, wanting to uh, just 
well, I'll just put his spoken, really, and try and uh, stop the work of God in this place. So I want to ask the question this morning, what, when the lion roars, what do we do? Now, there's a good scripture, and one of two scriptures in, uh, in the Bible about what to do when the lion roars. I wonder if anybody can come up with one about the lion roaring. Or a little clue, it says uh, they closed the mouth of lions. How did they close? The angels came with, with Daniel. Yes, that's right. The angel came then. This is New Testament scripture I'm thinking of. How, how, do we close, how, how did they close the lion's mouth? Okay, let's have a look. Should be up on the screen. Hebrews eleven thirty three. Not the right one. There we are. Who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions. How did they do it? Through faith. That's right. Through faith they stopped the mouth of lions. Now I want to speak a little bit about the faith to stop the mouth of lions today. Now, how, how, can we, how can we find that out? Well, if you look a little bit further in Hebrews, in chapter uh, 12, it tells us one way that we can have the faith to stop the mouth of lions. What's it say? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finishers of our faith. Looking unto to Jesus. That word in the Greek is quite strong. It sort of means looking intently. You know, he's the one that we need to look at. And it says he's, he's the author. Actually, the word is pioneer, or, or the one who goes before. It's the one who kind of leads the way and shows us by example what to do. And Jesus is our example. You know, very often we think he came as this sort of uh, white-robed figure that floated around on a cloud and just did things because he was God. Actually, no. It says he gave all that up. And he came as a prophet under the old covenant in the power of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus worked in and through the power of the Holy Spirit. And he shows us how to do it. He is our example. He shows us how we can stop the mouth of lions, how we can move in faith. And so I want to take us to that story, which is a true story, of course, of Jesus when he's faced with the roar of the lion. Just wondering if you can think when Jesus was faced with the roar of the lion. Well, there were several times when he was threatened. In fact, there's one time when uh, the Jews were trying to kill him. The religious Jews didn't like him, trying to kill him. And uh, he actually, the, the scripture says he, he passed through their midst. You know, it's probably one occasion where the angels were there and he just went and walked away. And he was actually um, over the Jordan ministering to lots of people and, and people were coming to him and it says many people believed him there. He was away from Jerusalem over the river Jordan. But then the lion roars. So we look at um, John and it's chapter 11. It says, now a certain man was sick 
Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him, to Jesus, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. He whom you love is sick. You know, sometimes if the lion can't get at us, he tries someone close to us, someone we love. And I'm sure we've all experienced this. You know, several times in my family over the last two or three years, it's people who are close to us that are going through it, that need our prayers. And suddenly, you know, there's Jesus faced with this roar of the lion. So what does he do? When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he ran immediately to Bethany. No? What did he do? He stayed. And that's the first thing we notice about Jesus. He doesn't move according to the lion's timetable. He moves to the timetable that he knows in his heart is from his father. Because he always did what his father was, uh, he saw his father doing. So he doesn't immediately go. Now there are times, of course, when we might need to, to rush off. But I'm saying in this, this case, the first thing Jesus did was not to let this, um, this news sway him. He, he didn't let it pull him to one side or to the other. Um, I remember um, an issue in our family when um, one of our children was really going through it. And, uh, you know, I, I was really letting it get on top of me. And Kathy came to me and said, you know, you've got to stop this. You're not going to let this distract you. Uh, just cast your care on the Lord. And, you know, she was absolutely right that I was letting it, the burden of it, get too heavy on me. That I'd got to just trust the Lord. You know, it's one of my children and it's hard. But in this case, I just had to release it. And, you know, God's dealing with it. And uh, I was hoping for... A, an absolute testimony this morning about it. It's not quite happened yet, but it's on its way. So I'll let you know when, uh, when the resurrection comes. But, you know, um, the first thing we need to do, really, like Jesus, is to stay on track and not let these things distract us. Now, I know it can be hard sometimes, and you've got to exercise wisdom, but that just might be for somebody this morning, if that speaks to you. Well, We see how Jesus works in this situation. Because when he gets the news, what does he do? He doesn't say, oh dear, what am I going to do? Or, oh boy, you know, this is a, this is a tough thing. He, and, you know, the thoughts come, don't they? Oh, this, Lazarus is going to die. Lazarus is going to die. And it, I, can't, I can't go from this time. I've got to stay here and minister to these people. And 
But you know, he doesn't say that. What Jesus says is, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. He gets a roar, but the Lion of Judah roars back. The Lion of Judah says, no, devil, this is what you intend. But Lord, this, this, the devil, this is what the, the Lord Almighty intends. This, isn't, this sickness is not unto death. I'm declaring in faith that this thing will not end in tragedy. So he speaks and commands, he speaks into the atmosphere and says no. And to his disciples around him, he says, look, God's going to deal with this. This is not going to end in death. Because he knows the plans that God has for Lazarus. So the first thing we need to do really, as when the lion roars, is not to listen to the roar, but to listen to the voice of the Father. And Jesus checks out with the Father what's all this about, what's happening, what's going to happen. And he knows that Lazarus is under attack. He knows this is an attack from the evil one. Because Lazarus is not an old man. He's not lived out his full lifespan. Lazarus is a man who's living close to Jesus. He's a friend of Jesus. And he knows that this man is in the covenant, the old covenant even, which says, with long life I will satisfy you in Psalm 91. So it's not God's purpose for Lazarus to die. He knows that because Jesus was a man of the word and he studied the word. He knows what God's uh, purpose was. But then he checks out with the Holy Spirit and he knows, he says, well, what's the plan? What, what is the plan? What, how, do, how do we deal with this? And he, of course, he's got such a close communion with his father that he knows what, he's, what to do and how to do it. And so um, the, the story goes on as follows. Let's just have a look at it. Now, Jesus loved, this is verse 5, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So just pause that a little bit. Um, you know that in Greek there are different words for love. Um, this is Bible school stuff, but you'll just forgive this just for a minute. Okay, can I have a bit of Bible school? When, uh, when they say, he whom you love is sick, the word there is phileo. It means your friend, your close friend. The word for that Jesus, when it says about what Jesus did, he says he loved Martha and her sister and, and Lazarus. That's the word agape, which means God's love, God's full love. And Jesus moved in the fullness of God's love, not just in human love, not just in filio, but in agape. He really loves Lazarus in the fullness. And sometimes, you know, it's... Um, What, what, a, what the human reaction would be is not God's reaction. It's true of me when I was really concerned for my children. You know, God's way was different. And here, uh, Jesus moves not according to human love and, and, and uh, emotion and pressure, but he moves according to the love of God and the instructions that God has for him. So when he heard that he was sick, this is verse 6, he stayed two more days in the place 
where he was. And Lazarus was already dead by this time. Then after, he, uh, after this, he said to the, the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you. And are you going there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. He's saying, look, we're walking in the light. This is according to God's timetable, not the devil's timetable. This is fine. Okay? So you can walk into danger as long as you know that you're in God's purpose and God's timetable and not just yielding to the pressure that's coming from the enemy. You know, um, one of the things that uh, I always find is that God's not in a tearing hurry. The enemy will pressure you. He's trying to get you to move off the timetable that God has. But, you know, you don't have to always have to rush when God, uh, you know, when to, to move into the things of God. It's the enemy that pressures you. Um, I think we all see this, don't we, when it comes to, you know, the, the pressure from the advertising. You know, buy it today. It's going to go tomorrow. This is the last two hours. <laughs> you know, I resist that. Don't, you don't have to um, buy quick to get the bargain from God. He's not in a hurry. So Jesus um, says, uh, if one walks in the night, he stumbles but, uh, because the light is not in him. Verse 11, these things he said, and after that he said to them, our friend Lazarus sleeps but I go that I may wake him up. Then the disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he was speaking, uh, that he was speaking about taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Then Thomas, who is called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us go that we may die with him. Poor Thomas. Um, gets a bad press, really, doesn't he, Thomas? Actually, when, when he, um, after Jesus' resurrection, he, he went to India and preached the gospel right over there. So he was the first apostle to India. So, you know, there's hope for us all if we believe uh, <laughs> believe like uh, Thomas, Thomas did. But you see... Um, Jesus knows, um, now he knows um, the plan of God. He knows what's going to happen. He knows he's going to wake him up. He's going to, uh, he's going to bring him uh, back from the dead. And so um, as he's, um, he gets this bad news, he doesn't, let him put, he doesn't let him throw him off course. He listens to the Father he knows from the word what the purpose is. He knows that Lazarus shouldn't have died. And then he listens to God and gets the plan. He knows what the plan is. He's going to raise him from the dead. Now, it's quite important that we realize that before we get into the rest of the story because some interesting things that uh, are coming up, as you'll see. So let's move on. Um, we'll keep reading. 
It's always good to have the Word of God read. It was great we had the, the uh, Passover story read this morning. So when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. Sorry, I just lost my place now. Huh? Oh, yeah. Many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met with him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Wonderful truth, sir. You know, just, for a Bible school, we could, we could get that and pull it out, but we can't. But you know, uh, there's tremendous truth there. Um, if you want to be sure of eternal life, if you want to know that you're going to heaven, if you know that uh, there is a place for you there, then that's a verse for you, if you believe in him. She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. And when she had said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary her sister, saying, The teacher has come and is calling for you. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. Now, Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. Then the Jews who were with her in the house and comforting her, when they saw that and went out, she is going to the tomb to weep there. Quite get that. Anyway, sorry, as you get this gist of the story. Then, when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, "Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died." So Jesus is coming into this atmosphere of weeping, of mourning, of depression, of, uh, you know, why God? Why? You know, if you'd only come, if you'd only turned up, then Lazarus wouldn't have died. And, you know, sometimes God is a little bit, we think he's a little bit late. And sometimes we feel we've had a failure. Sometimes faith hasn't been there when we've needed it. But, you know, God is, a, in Jesus, is a God of resurrection. And there is resurrection uh, sometimes for us when things are totally hopeless. Um, again, I've got lots of stories there, but I haven't got time to, to, uh, to go into those this morning. But... Jesus doesn't take part in this general mourning because he knows that Lazarus is going to live again. Now, it seems, when we read the text, it seems as though that's what's happening. Let's just have a look at verse 33. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, 
Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how much he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Then again, Jesus, groaning in himself, came to the It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Now, the, the, you know, this, is something, this is something practical that can be done. The stone can be moved away. It doesn't need a miracle to move the stone. And sometimes we, uh, you know, we forget that. We forget that there are practical things we can do. But I just want to look at this section with the way Jesus reacts in this atmosphere of weeping. It says that he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. Now, there's two interesting words there because it says, when he says he groaned, that was a very strong word. And actually, sometimes it's translated rebuke. It's anger. It's, a, um, it's like a, 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 an, an angry reaction to the death of Lazarus, and to all this atmosphere that surrounds him. And when he says, this is um, verse 33, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. Now again, I did a bit of research on this, and actually what it says is he troubled himself. It's reflexive, not passive, if you're grammatical people, but don't worry about that one. Um, he's, it's He troubled himself. Actually, what it's suggesting is that he's stirring himself up. He's saying no to this atmosphere. And I think it's more than just the atmosphere. He's stirring himself up to to see Lazarus raised from the dead. Now, I think that's a really important point for us here. Because Jesus knows that it's time Lazarus is going to be raised. He knows that. He's not upset by the... Well, I suppose humanly he's moved by the death. But he's not despairing like the others were. Because he knows that Lazarus is going to come out of that tomb. So there's something happening here. And even that word when it says Jesus wept, it's not the same word that when he says Mary and Martha were weeping. It's a different word. It just means that tears were coming down his cheeks. It doesn't mean that he was mourning. And actually, what I believe we're seeing here is an operation in the Holy Spirit. That Jesus is, is working with the Holy Spirit to see Lazarus raised from the dead. He knows God's plan. He knows God's purpose. He knows God's plan. And so now he's cooperating with the Holy Spirit to bring Lazarus out of the tomb. He's not moving in grief, but he's moving in faith because he knows what's going to happen. But somehow he needs to stir himself up. There needs to be an energy of prayer. And I, I really believe this is so key to us, that we know what God's plans and purposes are for this church. We know what God's plans and purposes are for this area and for this nation. We know that on God's timetable is uh, a revival of the Holy Spirit, mighty. So the prophets have said that this next move of God, which is about to break, is going to be the greatest history has ever seen. 
Now, I'm prophesying that, I'm saying that, that's what I believe God is going to do. But you know, there comes like a, a gap between God's revealing stuff and it actually happening. And he needs us to pray it in. I'm reminded of Elijah when he, after Mount, Mount Carmel, he said, look, rain's coming. He knew the rain was coming. He said to the king, get back before your chariot wheels get stuck. But then he goes to prayer. And he, he prays and prays and prays until he sees a cloud of the size of a man's hand. And then he knows it's coming through from the spirit into the natural realm. He knows that that, that victory is won and, and it's done. Now, I believe that's something what Jesus was doing here. He's just, so the, the curtain's just parting and showing us a little bit about his prayer, his prayer um, strategy, his, his, the, his, the way of prayer. You see, there are, there are depths in prayer. There are, there are things that um, you, um, uh, that, that go beyond words. It says in Scripture that the Spirit intercedes for us, with, and in us, you know, through us, in uh, groans, which are actually too deep for words. It's a one translation. But it, it literally means, you know, that are without words, just groans. And sometimes you'll come into a prayer meeting on a Monday morning and you'll find some of us groaning a little bit because we just sense the, that's an energizing of the Holy Spirit. And I don't know if you've ever been in prayer. I've sometimes been in prayer and, you know, tears have come down my cheeks. And I've actually been crying, but I'm not miserable in, in my soul. I'm, but my spirit is, is sort of, it's, it's a way of praying. And there's um, what we see Jesus as an intensity here about his prayer. He knows the plans. He knows the purposes of God, but he's got the he's energizing, if you like, in the spirit, ready for bringing Lazarus to birth. So let's look at the victory that uh, comes forth. So he says, take the stone away. And this is the end of verse 39. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me, and I know that you always hear me, because the, uh, but because of the people who are standing by, I say this, that they may believe that you sent me. And then, now when he had said these things, he got down on his knees and said, Lord, please, 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 please bring Lazarus back from the dead. No. He's now in a place of faith, you see. And he says, Lazarus, come forth. And he says, Father, I thank you. You know, when you're in faith, when you're really in faith, it's a place of thanks. It's not, a, it's, it's the, the correct prayer is thank you. It's not please. Now, there are times, there is, I'm not saying that you shouldn't be, uh, you know, there are times for intercession and pleading with God, but I'm say, saying when you, I think we sometimes misunderstood faith. Because Hebrews 11, verse 1 says, faith is the certainty of things not seen. There's a certainty about faith. There's a deep inner knowing. And sometimes we think we're in faith. You know, I've been there many times. You think, well, I believed, I believed. 
But, you know, we haven't actually got that deep revelation in the Spirit that this is what God wants and this is what I must do. I haven't got the plan and the purpose, and uh, so I can't release the power of God into the situation. But Jesus is there, and he knows that the appropriate thing now is, is thanksgiving and proclamation. Come forth. Come forth, Lazarus. Come out. And, you know, I believe that's, that is one of the things that, as, as believers, we have to learn to do. It's changed my life. Somebody once said, um, I was pleading with God for something, and uh, I was, you know, why isn't it working, Lord? And somebody, I just, somebody said, I didn't suppose God was just using them to speak to me. No, there were cross currents in the spirit. There's a lion out there that's trying to roar and, and, and get in the way. And we have to take authority over that line. We have to speak against it. We have to decree, this sickness is not unto death. Lazarus, come forth. And, you know, if you do what Jesus did, if you spend time with God, if you listen to him, if you know what his word says, then you can get to a place of that kind of faith. That real deep knowing. It's, it's scripture says your faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. And it says faith comes. You know, if I haven't got it, I can get it. I can get faith by hearing the word of God. Now, that, that word actually is, it means a, a, like a, a spoken word or something that you really hear, not just in your head, but in your heart. But if we can really get that, if we really get to that place, You know, through prayer, through intercession, through seeking God, through reading his word. You know, Jesus moves so closely with the Father. And I believe in these times that all of us need to move into that place where we're hearing. We're hearing from from the Spirit. Um, There's a a lovely verse in, in in Leviticus. Now, I don't normally preach from Leviticus. But, you know, it's a sort of one of those um, uh, chapters in the Bible that you just kind of, well, okay, that was for the Jews, it's not for us. But um, there's some little gems in there. One of them is that uh, the, the clean animals that were used, uh, that could be eaten, I think, um, it says they parted the hoof and chewed the cud. That one seems totally relevant. But if you just sort of make a little metaphor out of it, they chew the cud, you know, that... Um, that they regurgitate their food and chew over it. Now, do we do that with the word of God? Do we take it into ourselves and chew it over until it really becomes nourishment for us, until faith arises? And also, they part the hoof. And, you know, Christians need to learn to live in two places at once, if I can use that as a metaphor. So we're walking in, you know, in the natural realm, but also we need to have our eyes and ears, like Jesus, attuned to the spiritual realm. So we're hearing what's going on. We don't just look with our natural eyes. So when we hear or see that Lazarus is dead or sick, we don't just look at the natural things around us, what, the, what our friends are saying, what even our own thoughts are saying, but we listen to what the plans are. And purposes of God are. And you know, if we can really get that revelation, we can get the victory. We can get the victory over some of these things. Now, I know it's not always easy. Uh, we're not like Jesus. It doesn't happen in a few minutes, perhaps. But it, sometimes it takes time. But um, what, I, what I'm trying to say, I think, is this. You know, that 
it's not God that's the problem. It's, it's, it's not him. that We don't have to plead with him to, to do stuff because he actually wants to do it. You know, the, the Spirit was t- telling Jesus that he wanted Lazarus to rise from the dead. He actually needs us to cooperate with him. And there's, there's, some, there's something that we have to do that, you know, God works through people. He doesn't just come miraculously and, you know, do stuff. He's, he's, he's wanting to work through us. And he's, he's um, you know, he wants to work through me. He wants to work through you. And that's, you know, somebody once said, our hands are the only hands that Jesus has in this earth at the moment. We are the body of Christ. And his lips are, are our lips. And his feet um, are our feet. So he needs us to cooperate with him. He needs us to cooperate in prayer and in action. So, are we going to see some Lazaruses raised? I just want to end with um, a story, I think, from my own experience. I've shared this before. But um, just illustrates... The power of persistence in prayer and praying through until we see the answer. When I was uh, much younger, I, I suffered quite badly from depression. And um, I, I wasn't on any medication or anything like that. I was just miserable and life was bad and it wasn't easy. And um, wonderful how God brings people into your life just at the time when you need it. And this... Um, there was a friend of a friend, a Christian lady lived across the road. She'd met a friend at, um, uh, I think, a Bible conference or something, and she'd come to stay with her. And uh, she took one look at me and apparently said, oh, that's a nice young man. What's wrong with him? And she had that gift of discernment. She could see that there was something there. And so after, you know, kind of explanations and talks and uh, a meal together, I think, um, she then prayed for me. And what she discerned was that I was oppressed with a spirit of depression. It was, um, wasn't exactly the lion roaring. He got his teeth into me. And, uh, you know, no matter how much I prayed, if I prayed, I felt worse. Because, you know, the thing just sort of rattled at me. And um, so she, she took uh, the line that Jesus took in the story of Lazarus. Instead of pleading with God, she commanded this thing to leave. And she spoke against it, and nothing happened. And she spoke against it again, and nothing happened. But she was so convinced that this was the case that it took 20 minutes. But eventually I started to yawn. And then in my mind's eye, I saw this horrible kind of thing, almost like a... Um, something that might be at the bottom of a fish tank in the rubbish at the bottom, and it kind of rose up like this and just went. And uh, I often describe it as, you know, what um, sometimes uh, if you're in a room like today, if, if you listen very carefully, you can actually hear the heating. If it was to go off, there'd suddenly be a peace. You know, if there's a noise, and you just sort of tune it out as best you can. But when he goes off, there's a real peace. It was just like that for me. It was just that the peace of God just came, just like that. It was wonderful. 
and I've never been troubled with it since. But you know, she, she persisted with a prayer of command against what the lion was doing. In fact, you know, we've got two lions, haven't we? We've got the one that roars against us, but we've got the one that roars for us. We've got the lion of the tribe of Judah. And uh, what, uh, you know, that was a, an example of persistence in prayer. But what I'm trying to say this morning is, you know, that we need to get to that place where if we, uh, there are times anyway, put it like that, but we need to get to that place where we, we take authority, we speak and say, no, look, th- this, is not, this is not what's going to happen. This is what's happening. This is what God intends for me. This is what God wants for me. And I'm persisting in this. I'm, I'm taking authority over you, devil. I'm commanding you in the name of Jesus to go, to leave me alone, to stop your work. I'm not having it. Because this is what the scripture says. This is what God wants from me. This is what the Holy Spirit is saying to me. I'm decreeing and declaring that this problem must go in the name of Jesus. Now, not every problem, of course, is, is like that. Sometimes, you know, we make our own problems. Sometimes other people, you know, we're not fighting against flesh and blood, and we don't treat other people like that. But I'm just sort of saying this morning about, you know, what do I do when the lion roars? And uh, that is... You know, just one thing I just want us to kind of grasp this morning, that uh, we need to stand, declare the word of God, and believe. Get that faith deep in our hearts that um, Jesus has won the victory, and he wants to see that victory enforced in this world. You know, that we require, we require what God has decreed, that God uses us We're co-workers with him, and he wants to use us to overcome the roar of the lion. Amen. 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 How many of you believe that word spoke to you, to us?